Hare Krishna, another Sunday, another Bhagavatam class. Um, so, today we are going to begin in the Srimad Bhagavatam, presented to us by Sri Prabhupada. Um, first Canto, Chapter 2, Text 10. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So, text 10. Kamasya Nendriya Pritir Lavo Jiveta Javata Jivasya Tattva Jigyasa Narto Jascheha Karma Bhid. So, it's continuing. This is a continuation of the previous verse. That said, Dharma, it's, it's going through Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha. It's going through these four goals of human life. And it began by saying that Dharma indeed is meant for liberation. And uh, then Artha is not intended for Artha, which is a play on words. It means that uh, one's goal in life or one's purpose, one's self interest, actually, probably the best way to translate it here, because Artha has many meanings of self interest. Because in, in the scheme of Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha, Artha really means something like your self-interest. So one's self-interest uh, is not intended uh, just to get money or just to get uh, to acquire material things. Uh, because for someone who is fully dedicated to Dharma, if someone is really, really dedicated to Dharma, Dharma Ikantasya, in other words, Dharma is their only goal in life. Their only goal in life is to do what is right. Their only goal is to uh, do what is fair, what is right. Uh, then uh, self-interest is not intended uh, for sense gratification. And even Kamo Lavaya Smritha. So, so this is an authoritative statement. Smritaha means, as literally remembered, but since Smriti means what the great sages and great authorities have said about the Vedas, so to say that a particular uh, concept or, or a particular claim is Smritaha, remembered, means that it is stated that way by authorities. So, uh, and... Uh, so whatever we get in life, it's not meant for sense gratification, it's not meant for selfish purposes. So then it is said, Kamasya Nendri Pritir Labo Jiveta Javata. So that the the gain, the achievement of uh, Kama is not simply to satisfy the senses. Because by Kama here it means, for example, we have to eat. We like tasty food, or as Prabhupada says, uh, many times that an, an ordinary human being actually needs some type of sexual satisfaction. Obviously, it has to be done appropriately, according to uh, the principles of civilized life. But still, there is this, we do have senses, and they do need a certain degree of satisfaction. That varies depending on one's level of spiritual advancement. It depends on uh, what you've experienced in past lives. Maybe you've already worked your way past certain types of enjoyment, you don't need them anymore. Other people, no. They, so, uh, but in any case, the goal 
is not sense gratification. The idea here is that you can do something, but the thing you're doing is not an end in itself. It's not a purpose in itself. So let's say, for example, if you are like almost everybody else in the Hare Krishna movement uh, and you like nice prasadam, that doesn't necessarily mean unhealthy, rich, deep fried, you know, end your life early prasadam. But you just like tasty, healthy prasadam. So, but even as you're enjoying, let's say, nice prasadam, you don't take it that that is an end in itself. Like this doesn't lead to anything else. This ultimately has no higher purpose. It's just, I live for this. I live to eat tasty prasadam. No, the idea is that I'm giving my body a certain amount of satisfaction so that I can be peaceful, I can be healthy, and I can serve Krishna. So, so even when we satisfy our senses, it's not an end in itself. That's the point. There's a higher dimension that we're aware of. So we do satisfy our senses to a reasonable degree in appropriate ways. But the goal is always Krishna consciousness. So therefore, uh, labo, in terms of how much one should earn or how much one should obtain in life, you know, whether it's money or furniture or sense satisfaction, whatever, the Bhagavatam says, jivate the javata. Uh, you should get just what you need uh, to live, to live. And, and here, to live means not to live, you know, in a state of madness or, you know, crazy frustration, but just so you can just live your life. Just live your life peacefully. That, that, that's how much. And, uh, of course, without, uh, this, this is not an, uh, advocating or um, condoning sinful activities, but just do your best. And then it said, Jiva Tattva Jigyasa, Narato Jascheya Karma that for a Jiva, because it's saying you should live, Jiveta, in other words, one should just, just live, because for life, for a Jiva, which means life, Tattva uh, Jigyasa, there is the desire to understand Tattva. So we'll talk about this word tattva. Narato Jascheyakarmi. And there's no other, there's no other purpose. There's no other real self-interest whatsoever by our actions. Karma B means by our actions. Uh, there is no other real purpose. No other real purpose. Uh, no other real self-interest in life except tattva jigyasa our attempt to understand tattva. So uh, we have to understand the word tattva, especially because the next verse is that famous Vedanti tattva vidas tattvam yadhyanamadvayam. It mentions word, it's that famous verse about tattva. But here's, uh, I've explained many times what the word tattva means literally, I'll say it one more time, even though I'm not getting paid to do this. Uh, the Sanskrit word tat means that. As I always say, if you just add an H, it's English, that. Tat. And so that is a demonstrative pronoun. It means uh, a word which demonstrates, points something out. If you say that, it means you're either pointing to something or you're referring to something. Like, for example, if someone asks you which one is it, it's that one. Or which 
car do you like? I like that car. Or uh, I was speaking to that person. So the word that uh, points out, indicates something real in the world that you are referring to. So therefore, in sort of Sanskrit, abbreviated philosophical Sanskrit, where they try to really say as much as they can in as few words as possible, tat comes to mean a real thing, a real object, because if something doesn't exist, you can't point it out, you can't demonstrate it. So tat, just as in om tat sat, as in the phrase om tat sat, which literally would mean that the Lord, Om, Tut, is the real object, Sat, which is eternal, or which, which has true existence. Even though we are also Sat, in the sense that we are eternal, but our existence depends upon Krishna's existence in the Western philosophy that's called contingency. So if you uh, take Sat, which literally means being, Sat is actually the present participle, neuter present participle of the Sanskrit verb to be, and if you're interested in historical linguistics, the S in the word sat is the same S in the English word is. Actually, it's the same S, or the Spanish ace, or the French est, which is pronounced A in French, il est, but written est. Anyway, and so on in many languages. So, um, sat, being, literally being, it's, it's a, it's a participle, which means a verb acting as a noun, like a living being. Being is really, you know, it's a verb form from the verb uh, to be, being, like I am being technical right now. So being, sat is a verb, but it functions as a noun, as in a living being. So that's called a participle. Well, now that I've uh, given you this incredible grammatical joy, so, Om Tat Sat, being in the highest sense, the true being, because our being depends on Krishna's being. We have contingent being. Krishna is the only person, the only thing, the only living entity, the only existence that is absolutely self-sufficient and independent. And that's why in the first verse of the Bhagavatam, Krishna is called Swarat, self-governing, because obviously... I mean, I hope I'm self-governing in the sense that I uh, control myself and behave properly, but I'm not self-governing in the sense that I am governed by the laws of nature and I, those are beyond my control. And there's just, you know, you know how, how life is. Almost, almost everything is beyond our control. And there's this little window of few things that we actually can control. So therefore, in the higher sense, we are not self-governing. Anyway, getting back to tattva. So tat is an om tat sat. Tat means a real thing, a real thing. And twa, the suffix twa, which is actually in English, the suffix ty, as in uh, felicity or generosity. You can say someone is generous and to be generous is to have generosity or um and so on. And, and so in that way, we actually make, uh, we can add T onto a word. So it's twa, something like that in Sanskrit. So tatwa means, you could say, the state of being, the state of being tat. So to be a real thing is to be a tatwa. Tat is a real thing, and tatwa is having the condition 
having the quality of being a real thing. That's tattva. And so therefore, the, the Sanskrit word tattva uh, comes to mean uh, a, a category of real things, a category. And so as we'll see in the next verse, we're going to talk about, spoiler alert, the next verse is going to talk about Brahma Tattva, uh, Paramatma Tattva, or as we say, Vishnu Tattva. So when we say Vishnu Tattva, it actually means Vishnu as a fundamental category, as a category of real things. So there's the Vishnu category, there is the Jiva category, Jiva Tattva and so on. Or for example, in third canto of the Bhagavatam, when Devahuti is asking her son Kapila to explain Sankhya, and she says, Katitatwani, how many tattvas are there? How many fundamental objects are there in this world? And of course, in that context, she's talking about um, things like earth, water, and the mind, and so on, which are different divisions or categories of what is ultimately a single major tattva, which is Prakriti tattva. But in that, in property, there are subcategories, which also in that context are called tattvas. So now that you know that, and then jigyasa, in Sanskrit, there is a form of a verb. You can make a verb form or a noun form from a verb, which is called the desiderative. That means it expresses the desire to do something or simply the desire, it's, it, desire to do something, or um, it can be the person who desires. For example, tasmat gurum, tasmat, therefore, gurum prapageta, one should approach a guru, one should submit to a guru, jigyasu, if one is jigyasu, uh, if one wants to know, uh, jigyasu shayautama, the ultimate good. If you want to know what's ultimately best for you, then you should approach a guru. So in, in the word jigyasu, you have the, the root, gya, from which we get jnanam, knowledge. So gya means to know, that's where you get jnanam. And then if you, anyway, I'm going to all the technical details, but jigyasa means the desire to know, and jigyasu means one who desires to know. And so, of course, this is, uh, as we know, the Vedanta Sutra, Brahma Sutras begin, Atato Brahma Jigyasa. Atato Brahma Jigyasa. Now, that, now then, that we have human life, there is the desire to know Brahma, the absolute truth. And so here, that's how Vedanta Sutra begins. And here in this verse of the Bhagavatam, 1, 2, 10, it's sort of echoing that and saying that in order to properly understand, if you want to understand Brahman, the absolute, you have to understand tattva because the absolute truth has categories. The absolute, there are categories in the absolute truth and therefore Brahma Jigyasa, the desire to know or curiosity about or in a sense it means the search for knowledge of, you know, trying to understand the absolute truth means that you must try to understand the categories of the absolute truth you can't assume that the absolute truth does not have categories. In fact, it does. There are ontological categories. Ontology means the nature of existence, like what exists, how does it exist, what's just 
it, it's the study of existence itself. That's called ontology. And so, having said all that, we go to the next verse, 11, because it said uh, that the whole goal of life is to try to understand, one should want to understand, tattva, the categories, fundamental categories of truth. And then the next verse says that tattva vidas, those who know tattva, because, you know, if you want to know something, go to the person that knows it. And this is actually the same kind of statement Krishna makes in the Gita, where he says that um, tadvidhi, know that truth, tadvidhi pranipatena, by submission, uh, pariprasnena, by thorough questioning, not just questioning, but questioning thoroughly, is indicated by pari. Tadvidhi pranipatena, pariprasnena, sevaya, and by service, then upadekshantite, they will instruct you. Upadekshantite jnanam, they will teach you knowledge. Jnanina, uh, those who have knowledge. Those tattvadarshina, those who are seers of truth. So that famous little phrase, seers of truth, from that famous Gita verse 434, tattvadarshina, literally means seers of tattva. That's literally what it says, seers of tattva. In other words, those who have seen the fundamental categories. So an example of not seeing tattva properly is thinking I am my body. Because my body is prakriti tattva, it's nature, it's physical nature, but I am the jiva, I am the pure soul. So if I think I'm the body, I am committing a category mistake. It's a simple category mistake. I am Jiva, a living being, Atma, soul, and I have mistaken myself to be another category of existence, which is property. Or if someone, let's say, rather foolishly, or actually or very foolishly, thinks I am God, that's another category mistake because God is a separate category called Vishnu Tattva or Ishwara Tattva. Or, for example, if someone thinks that um, Krishna has a material body, that, you know, Krishna, we all know what Krishna looks like, that Krishna has a material body, that's a category mistake. So thinking that Vishnu is Prakriti, that the form of God is actually physical nature, or thinking that I am Prakriti, Jiva, that Jiva is Prakriti, or uh, thinking that I am God. That's, a, I mean, talk about narcissism. That's like, you get the, you know, the gold medal for narcissism on that one. If someone is so, uh, how should I put it, cognitively challenged, that they think they are God, that's a, a category mistake. Thinking the jiva is Vishnu or Ishwara. So therefore, to be, Krishna says, those who have seen tattva, that those who have knowledge will teach you knowledge. That's actually what Krishna says in that verse 434 of the Gita. Those who have seen tattva. And here we have the same thing. Krishna says, uh, tattva, Krishna says, um, that tattva darshina, and here we have tattva vida, those who have seen truth, tattva, those who know truth those who know tattva. And so tattva yad jnana madhva. So those who know tattva, 
they say, this is what they say. So now listen, because these are people that know tatwa. And remember, knowing tatwa is the purpose of your life. So verse, this is very tight. If you, if you look at literally what the Sanskrit is saying, it's a very tight, serious argument. Purpose of your life is to know tatwa. You should want to know tatwa, should try to understand tatwa, and some people already know it. So it's not that you're trying to understand something that no one ever figured out. See, then you're kind of up the creek, you know, without the proverbial paddle. If you're trying to understand something that no one knows, that's a tough one. But the good news here is that some people actually know tatwa. So what do they say? So at this point, you know, your ears should be perking up. What do the people who know tatwa say? They say that tatvam is, first of all, it's jnanam advayam. Tatvam yad jnanam advayam. It, to know tatwa, you have to have a consciousness which is beyond duality. So what does it mean to be beyond duality? Dwaya, dwaya, of course, is just duality. And advaya, uh, beyond duality. Um, so one kind of duality, a very important kind, uh, the kind that Krishna talks about a lot in the Gita, is psychological duality in the sense that uh, we have material bodies, as you may have noticed, and our material bodies have senses, which you also may have noticed, and the senses have attitudes, very strong attitudes toward everything out there in the sense that we like things, we don't like things, and some people really have strong likes and dislikes. And this, this refers to flavors and touch sensations. Some things are like yucky, like ooh, like that slimy. Most people don't, you know, carry around a little can of slime just because they like to touch it all the time. So, you know, some touch sensations are really ick and flavors, or some are good, so, you know, some touch sensations we really like, flavors, some things, uh, visual objects we really love, some we hate, uh, aromas, odors, God, that's true. You know, some are really beautiful, some are horrible. And uh, so I think I was gonna mention everything, visual objects, touch, uh, flavor, and, and um, hearing, some sounds, you know, like some sounds are just awful, like the uh, sort of the classic sound is someone dragging their nails across a blackboard. It's like, you know, an unbearable sound. And some sounds are very beautiful music or some people have beautiful voices. And so, uh, so that's duality. Now, some things really are beautiful. You could say some things really are not beautiful. However, we don't become attached. In other words, we observe these things. We can be aware of the quality of different sensations, but ultimately we should be doing, we should be concerned elsewhere. For example, let's say you go to a neighborhood and you don't live there, it's not your neighborhood, and one house is really nice and one house is not nice. Okay, but you don't live there. 
and the nice house, you don't live in the nice house, you don't live in the other house. So if you're visiting a foreign country and you see so many things good and bad, but you're leaving in the afternoon, you'll never come there again. And so it's just, you're not so concerned, you're detached because you don't live there. It has nothing to do with your life other than just a momentary sensation. So if we really identify with Krishna, if we really identify with Krishna, then, and, and, and interacting with Krishna, seeing Krishna, hearing Krishna, uh, tasting Krishna prasadam, smelling, you know, whatever, all the fragrant things that are offered to Krishna, and, uh, and you know, touching for Krishna, which can mean, it can mean dressing the deities, it can mean just doing devotional service, it can mean many things. So, if we are, if we, to use the common phrase, if we identify with Krishna, if we are absorbed in Krishna consciousness, we are not sucked into the dualities of pleasing and displeasing of the material world. So knowledge, for example, you can get knowledge of, how, of sense gratification, or you can get knowledge of how you can make a lot of money. So, but there's a knowledge which is absolute in the sense that it's always true and it's equally true for everyone. Let's say, for example, there's a soccer game, a soccer match called football in some places. And so one team has knowledge of how to defeat the other team. So that knowledge is not, I mean, no, the team, the other team doesn't want to be defeated. So there's duality. That knowledge is really pleasing to one team and it's kind of horrible for the other team. So there is a, a, a knowledge, there's an awareness, there's consciousness, which is absolute, which is pleasing to every living being, which only has good results, which doesn't involve any contradictions, and that is Gyanamadvayam. And, and that refers to the uh, to spirit, as opposed to matter. It's the nature of matter that there's always opposition in matter. Krishna says in the Gita uh, that the modes of nature are always in conflict, they're always competing. So it's the very, it's built in to the physical world, conflict. There's always conflict, psychological conflict, physical conflict. Sometimes you have conflict within yourself. You can't decide what to do. Uh, you you want to do this, but you want to do that, or you love this, but you hate it at the same time. And so conflict is just built into the material world, whereas there's another higher world which is free of conflict. So we're talking about spirit, we're talking about uh, that which is beyond matter. And so it says brahmeti, iti at the end of Sanskrit, at the end of a Sanskrit word, iti means unquote. That's how you, you know, in English, we people put up their hands like little crabs and say, they go like this, it means you know, quote marks. It's kind of an unfortunate, but universal gesture. Or when you're writing English or any other modern language, you just put quotation marks. You actually put in the quotation marks. So Sanskrit, when Sanskrit was written, and even when it was an oral, only an oral language, they didn't have quotation marks. And they, they, I don't think they put their hands up like that either. But they did use the word iti. So iti at the end of a word means it's the end of a quotation. So because it is said earlier in this verse that those who know tatwa say, they say, and so it's quoting those people. It's, it's not an indirect quotation. It's not saying, 
they say that. For example, he told me that he's not coming today. So that's not a direct quote. That's an indirect quote. He told me that, or she insists that, and so on. But if you were actually saying, she said, quote, uh, I'm coming, unquote, then that's exactly what she said. If you say, quote, un quote, unquote, that's exactly what the person said. So in Sanskrit, if you want to say exactly what the person said and put it, so to speak, in ancient quotation marks, you put the word iti at the end of the word. So they say, those who know tatwa, and, and the purpose of your life is to know tatwa, those who know tatwa say that it is Brahman, quote unquote, it is quote unquote paramatma, paramatma iti, and it is quote unquote Bhagavan. Iti shabdhyate. Shabdhya shabda means sound and or a word, and shabdhyate is the passive verb means uh, Bhagavan iti, thus it is sounded. In other words, declared in authoritative literature, because as we know, uh, in the Vedic culture, because it was originally an oral culture in which people spoke and other people heard, and therefore, that which is most important to speak in here